welcome to Be Truly Heard with me, coach and voice expert Anne Leatherland. If you're a woman in business looking to speak with authority, warmth and authenticity, this is the podcast for you. We'll explore valuable personal growth strategies alongside vocal skills so you can overcome confidence barriers and communicate what's inside. Your voice matters. It's time to be truly heard. Hello and welcome to Be Truly Heard with me, your host, Anne Leatherland. Today, the title of our session is Anxiety Unmasked, Navigating the Challenges in Business. And I'm delighted to have a very special guest with me today. It's my friend and colleague, Sue Everard, MBA. Hello, Sue. Hi, Anne. Good to be here. I'm very excited to be discussing anxiety in the workplace at such a crucial time. Absolutely. Sue, tell us a bit about yourself uh, so that the listeners can get the idea of who you are and what you do. Okay, so I came up in my career in advertising, so I chose a very quiet, easy to do industry. Um, I worked for a very long while in client service, dealing with clients, dealing with creatives. And, And then for the last bit of my career, I worked a lot in strategy. And In the middle of that, I went and did my master's in business. And without realizing it, I got involved in quite a lot of coaching. I did work with emotional intelligence. I did some actual coaching courses. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is how important self-leadership and leading others correctly in the workplace is. And as Mm. time went on, I found myself far more interested in the mentoring specifically of women who I believe have a slightly harder time in the workplace because the mm. workplace is by nature a more masculine environment. Yes. And I and I found myself more and more understanding the need for self-leadership in order to succeed in any part of your life. Okay. Mm. And it has become a lot of the work I do in coaching now. And yeah, that's pretty much how I ended up like I did. I, I burnt out quite heavily in advertising and decided to mm-hmm. reinvent in the in the coaching world. Perfect. I mean, I really like that. So how would you sum up what your aim is then in terms of what you do for people? I think what I like to do for people is I like to work with people in finding their authentic voice. And what I'm finding quite interesting is that a lot of people don't actually even know that they have a right to their own voice when I first mm. meet with them. And that's quite an interesting challenge to make people realize that in order to make others happy and content, they have mm-hmm. to actually know who they are and make themselves happy and content. I was one of these people who, you know, the, the age old saying of, you know, put your own face mask on before you try yes. to put, any, put anyone else's on. I came up through the ranks of of parents who believed it was about doing more for others and making yourself happy by helping others. What what I've subsequently learned as I've aged through the system is that it's really, really important to, to be your authentic self in order that you can show up in the world in a way that the world can feel and cling on to. Mm. If you don't mm-hmm. do that, you actually become a people pleaser and it's really, really hard for you to find your voice 
and it's really really hard for other people to understand what you stand for so absolutely yeah so that's a big thing with me with self-led leadership i Mm. believe that it's really really important to understand yourself what you care about what you don't care about where you want to be in life and then the next phase is navigating how to go through it working with Mm. relationships understanding how other people push or don't push your buttons how you can mm. help yourself be understood by other people, which is, yes. an, is a whole nother element of the experience. But, mm. but I think that without being self-led, you can't work easily with others. No, no. We need to have that ability to be ourselves and to put that across in the way that we want to. And of course, that can be the cause of a particular amount of worry or even anxiety. And we are chatting about anxiety in those business workplaces today. And, you know, worry is often something that's a bit specific. It's a pretty normal thing. We all do it from time to time. We might have a bit of mild emotional distress. Um, It's usually a bit temporary, controllable. So when we're talking about anxiety, Sue, what's your take on that? What's the difference then? What do you see anxiety as, as opposed to just that worry that I've described there? So (laughs) I would argue that anxiety is your worry button unable to switch off. Mm. Okay, It is where it becomes your default setting. At the end of the day, your brain is constantly constantly future fearing it's Mm. the it's everything that happens is overwhelming it's that age-old debate of catastrophic thinking versus realistic thinking but but someone who is stuck in anxiety has a catastrophic mindset and it's for me it is two core elements the one is they truly believe that they are incapable of of managing whatever happens to them the mm-hmm. second element is that they believe that whatever is going to happen is going to be significantly worse than it could be so they yeah. naturally go to it's going to be a big problem a huge unmanageable problem mm. and i personally don't have the capacity for it i would also argue that it is it worrying is in your body in that it goes into a worry state and then you bounce out of your worry state whereas when you are when you are anxious your body is constantly stuck in fight or flight Mm. so you Mm. are very reactive if something drops on the floor you jump a mile and it's really really difficult for your body to come out of it and you will notice this you have the sore shoulders you sleep with your arms together you get your voice sometimes it's like you constrict your throat and it gets croaky because you are holding your body at a state of readiness for something absolutely yeah it's all about those safety uh precautions that the body puts into play because it thinks that you're under attack and when you're not actually under attack then of course the stress hormones build up and that's when those responses come in Uh, I ought to just say at this stage everybody that if you do feel you're suffering from a particular anxiety to go and see the GP because it's something that's very definitely a medical thing but we can all sometimes have anxious tendencies or anxious feelings where we 
catastrophize and we make up stories about things and we let them get a little bit more out of hand than we would where we're just normally worrying. Would you agree with that, Sue? Does that sound about right? Yes, I, I, I argue if, if anxiety is your default setting, you are anxious and you need to resolve it because it's also really bad for the body. But mm. if you every now and then have a worry, even if it's two or three times a day, you are okay. As long as for the rest of the day, you move into a state of relative well-being. If yes. you stay in a state of high anxiety, that's not good for you. And it's not a productive place to be. No, absolutely not. It's very wearing and it takes a toll on the body and the mind and your everyday ability to cope. So thinking about corporate settings uh, in the workplace, what hurts people's ability to cope, do you think? I know you're going to love this. That's a very large question. <laughs> but I think in a very simplistic way, I think there is a couple of things that really do make it difficult. One of the things I think is is really important is to have a good sense of self, okay, and to be very authentic as you approach the corporate world. Unfortunately, I would argue that it's not often valued. There is what we call corporate speak, where you are expected to show up in the corporate way. That corporate way is very masculine. And there was actually a Graham Norton show where Meryl Streep said something to, along the lines of, women are very good at coding men. Oh, yes. Men are not very good at coding women. So we have learned to show up in a corporate world as quite masculine. Because in mm. order to mm. be heard, we have to be quite masculine, which has got its own set of problems. But it's very hard if you are coding as a man to be truly authentic, which mm. I think has the potential to lead to a lot of imposter syndrome. Yes. Okay, this is not really me. I'm not really yes. able to cope at this level because I'm not showing up as myself. It is a very protective mechanism and protective mechanisms are essentially fight or flight mechanisms, which mm. means you are in an increased state of anxiety. Mm. And I think what ends up happening is it starts to wear you down and you can become incredibly reactive. Yes, yes. And of course, there's sometimes a lack of teamwork, isn't there, in those corporate settings and also a lack of clear guidelines, which just plays into this and makes things well, harder. I think if you think about the corporate world, it's a performance environment. I mm. get rewarded for my performance. It is not that often you get high team reward. Okay. Mm. So, so whether I, I have seen time and time again, many corporates talk about we're about teamwork, but I have not seen it play out in any demonstrable way because everyone is trying to be heard. And if yes. I'm busy trying to be heard, I'm trying to listen you being heard. So yes. no one's actually listening to each other. What you start to find is if you start speaking, Anne, I stop listening mm -hmm. to you because I'm already thinking about what is the next thing I'm going to tell you. As soon as I'm doing that, it's not about teamwork. It's about individual performance. It's about showing mm. up as a better performer. And as soon as that happens, 
there's increased pressure on you and less pressure on the team. And then I think as well, if you just look at guidelines, KPIs, most of the KPIs have got nothing to do with the day-to-day -day work. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's really hard to understand what shows up mm -hmm. in day-to-day -day work and what you get rewarded or punished for. And I, I think that lack of clarity, that lack of clear boundaries, I don't think it's as clear as people think, especially in the soft skill arena. In the mm. hard skill arena, it's really easy. I have to sell 500 widgets today. Yes, in the soft yeah. skill arena, you generally find out whether you're doing well or badly because someone tells you you're doing badly, not because they tell you you're doing well. Yes, I've come across that actually with clients who've been told that basically they're a weak link or that their presentations aren't good enough or whatever. And that can be tremendously damaging to their sense of self and to their sense of self-belief. Um, so how does this anxiety that occurs affect the way that women communicate then? What effect does it have on them in your experience? I think that there's a couple of things that can easily happen. Firstly, I find that when you are anxious, your voice goes up and much more feminine. Okay. And you become far less believable. Mm. That just generally happens. Or what you find is they constrict their throat and it sounds like people are choking. So mm. just from a way they sound perspective, it is a problem. But mm. I think anxiety has two ways of showing up in people. Either they become afraid to move forward. Yes. Or this is a very interesting approach. They rush headlong because they can no longer stand the anxiety. So they can mm. become quite aggressive and push through because anxiety is almost a pendulum of avoidance or pushing through. And the, neither are very good. To avoid or to react really hurts you. The best way to do it is to clearly and carefully respond. And I don't believe that it's easy to do an anxiety purely from a way your brain works. If you're in an anxiety state, your real thinking is offline. Yes. So you become reactionary. And when yes. you become reactionary, you become far less effective. Mm. So from my I, point of view, we need ways to actually calm down that anxiety state and to get back into what some people call co-regulation before we can actually begin to respond in the way that we want to and, and to begin to be authentic and give the message that we want and need to, to communicate fully. And I think it's really a couple of things I found very useful for me in this instance to lower anxiety one is to realize people aren't looking at you as much as they're looking at themselves. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't, don't, don't fear how people are going to see you because they're too busy trying to figure out if they're making the right impression. And then in order to truly work with people, going back to what I said about you talking and I'm not listening, in order to be really effective and to get anxiety down mm. you have to become an incredibly active listener yes. where you are actually not listening to the voice inside your head 
you are actually listening to the person speaking to you and you can hear what they're trying to say so you can be a part of their conversation. I think what's also really important is to use questions because often we like to dominate another person's idea, whereas questions can form an entirely new thought process, an mm. entirely new response, and it gets it moving. Okay, and then I think it allows you to move. If you just stay in the moment with those questions, with those listening devices, you find you become far more responsive to the person in front of you and far less reactive to the voices inside your head. That's wonderful. I mean, and if we do that, then presumably when we communicate with others, we can encourage them to do the same thing. It doesn't necessarily follow that they will, but it's perhaps more likely to happen if we give them space in the first place, if we hold that space for them. Well, the reality is that people, uh, Maya Angelou said this and I truly believe it, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And the reality is, at the end of the day, a person becomes more receptive to you as soon as they know that you are receptive to them. Mm. If you are closed off and trying to dominate them, they close off. Mm. So what we often do is we often try to dominate and control situations with our brilliance by not listening, by being the loudest voice in the room. And at the end of the meeting, everyone's been the loudest voice in the room and no one knows what the outcome is. Whereas mm. if you worked as a team and built on ideas and organically grew things, it would just work so much more effectively. It is a skill set, though. It's not something like, oh, I'm just going to start listening to people. No, it's really no. hard to do. It really is. Uh, but if more people did it, then the people who are sitting in the corner of the room and not being able to speak up would have the chance to have their say and have a chance to grow in their authenticity and to come forward as well. People are far more interesting when you listen to them instead of listen to what you think about them. People are more surprising if you listen. Mm. And I think we I think we've lost our capacity to do that. Yes. So just in conclusion, I mean, this is a massive topic. So I know we could talk all day about this, but just in conclusion, in terms of what you said, we've been talking about active listening. We've been talking about being our authentic selves as women rather than trying to be something that we're not rather than trying to be for instance like a man and I, I do accept here that there aren't just women and men in the world that people identify in different ways but I'm just having this discussion here because I particularly help women in business and it just seems to be the thing that comes up uh, and so holding our personal truth is really important and also responding and not reacting so that's just to sum up some of the things that you've said and uh, I'd just like to thank you very much and maybe invite you back on another occasion because you've said some really great things here today, Sue. We'd love to know what you think, folks. So do get in touch if you have questions or comments on what we've been talking about. Info at anleatherland.co.uk or you can find me on social media and comment there. And 
if you have any questions or things that you'd like me to discuss in the future, we can do that too. Okay, I shall see you in the next episode where we'll be talking about the building blocks of confidence. So don't miss it. See you there. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Be Truly Heard. Please look out for future episodes and do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Anne Leatherland, or learn more at anneleatherland.co.uk. If you have questions and comments about speaking with confidence, I'd love to hear from you and will respond in future episodes. Be Truly Heard is brought to you by Vocal Intuition and produced by The Podcast Boutique. I'm your host, Anne Leatherland. Bye for now.